Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast, where we look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of a songwriter. Each week, we make a connection with a music maker, listen to their songs, and hear their stories. From Nashville, Tennessee, here's your host, Dave Lenahan. Hey there, Dave Lenahan. This is the uh, podcast, and appreciate you listening. Downloading and sharing, liking, subscribing, you know the routine. It's because of you. This podcast is growing so fast, and you are so much appreciated. I've got another great guest this week, and let me tell you a little bit about him. He's a 40-plus-year veteran of the music business. He's written with some of the greats in rock, country, and folk. You remember me talking about genres, right, and my hate for it? Um, And, you know, (laughs) people that ask you, what kind of music do you write? Well, hopefully it's good music, you know. You're right with who's in the room. You're right with the people that you surround yourself with. And this guy's written with them all. Uh, rock, country, and folk, if you want to name genders, uh, genres. If uh, you want some names, I can drop some names for you. Richie Havens, The Who, Uriah Heep, love them. Leonard Skinner, Molly Hatchett, Blackfoot. Um, Greg Allman Band, Dickie Betts. These are legends. Oh, in country, the Oak Ridge Boys, Montgomery Gentry. And this guy, this guy that I think is going to become a big movie star someday, hmm. Kevin Costner. His <laughs> good buddies with our guest today. Uh, he has written for film and TV. Uh, he's got an amazing story to share and some great songs here around the dining room table. Please welcome um, our friend H. Jack Williams. H. Jack. Jack. How are you, Jack? I'm great. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for having me. Oh, this is good awesome. You. Yeah. You've got a new album out produced by Adam Box, who is a uh, drummer for the... Uh, Osborne Brothers Osborne right not the Osborne Brothers the Brothers Osborne and uh, it's a great record and on that record uh, and I think this was the first single was it Wonderful World Wonderful was, World was, was actually that? actually led led into the album okay it led into the album okay mm-hmm. so let's listen because you've got a very unique uh, version of just a classic song this is our guest Jack Williams on the podcast today in his version of Wonderful World Saying, how do you do? 
Jack Williams is from the album Halfway to Hell, his latest release, and uh, his version of What a Wonderful World. I used to do a show back in the 70s uh, in the Cleveland area. It was on NPR radio up there <clears throat> called Fresh Air, and I was really happy to be a part of it. It was it was a, kind of an eclectic, um, uh, progressive music show. Uh, and again, regardless of genre, we liked it, we played it. And that's one that I could have seen uh, being a big hit. Uh, I would have played that all the time. That's such a haunting version of of a song. What uh, what made you decide to, to record that? It, it, it had always been a favorite, or um... uh, no? The, my publisher asked me to do it. Yeah, and um, they asked me if I'd do a version of it, and we couldn't wait to do it. When we yeah. did it, um, I think we did it a couple months. We actually recorded it a couple months before the election, and then remember. Mm-hmm. When the world got crazy right before the election, oh, yeah, the the yeah. the the, uh, the rating of the so Adam, my producer, and he said, "Let's shoot a video on this thing." Yeah. And he said, "Because the world has gone nuts." Yeah, yeah, and it's still nuts. <laughs> it is, but it's not like that. Yeah, and um, the video was it was all about well, it's a wonderful world, really, really. <laughs> Well, yeah, okay. No, it isn't. Mm. Yes, it is. Yeah. And that's how we took that whole thing. And so it, all, all the visuals that we put in it, we had one with the riots, and we had one with a baby, and we had one with fire. And we, we ended. I think we ended with two people in love holding each other and praying. I think oh, that was wow. it. Yeah. So that's it, great. It was a great. I loved it. But W. Earl Brown. No, he no. Adam did that video right. Adam produced that video. Adam did it on his own. I mean, the mm. guy is just full of talent. Hey, watch that video. It's out there. You can uh, get on YouTube and, and, and search for it. H. Jack uh, Williams, and, and you put the H in there because it's easier to find you. Right. There's two Jack Williams. Uh-huh. There's a Jack Williams that lives in North Carolina. He's a great songwriter and um, always out on the road. And every time I googled my name, his name came up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I said. <laughs> Let's put the H Jack in front of it because my name is Henry, so uh-huh. I don't go by Henry. But yeah, yeah. There's so much I want to talk to you about. You've got such a great story, and you've got such great music, and your style is it's unmatched. It's 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 very unique, and I love it. I have to tell you, I love your voice and everything I hear on this record. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about the beginnings, um, where you came from, how it all started for you. Mm. Well. <laughs> Mm. Songwriter first? Yeah, after I got out of the Marines, I um I remember I wanted to I wanted to be I wanted to write songs and I remember the very first thing I ever did was I was a roadie for a band called Captain Beyond. Captain Beyond. 
Do you ever hear of him? No. That was Lee Dorman. Beef heart, but <laughs> Lee Dorman Lee from Dorman. Iron Butterfly. Iron Butterfly. Rhino from Blues Image and Iron Butterfly. Oh my. Bobby Caldwell, drummer from Johnny Winter and and oh. and uh, Legends. And and Ricky Derringer. And, Ricky Derringer. And Rod and Rod Evans, the original singer of Deep Purple, put this band together. Wow. And what they a were band. awesome. Ricky Derringer I, must have been what? Teen. Or Derringer back then. Derringer was really young. No, yeah. I, no. What I meant was Bobby Caldwell played. Played. Oh, okay. Derringer. With Rick Derringer. Okay. And um, that worked out. And I, I. And then from there, I ended up being a roadie for different bands. And then I finally, mm-hmm. I was writing all the time. And then one day, I wrote something, and um, I took it to. Uh, um, it was Genesis. Genesis was playing, and I took. I was. I had a backstage thing. The Gen- I took it to them guys, and I showed it to them. I said, "Well, that's not a song. That's a poem." Mm. And I went, and they said, "You got to put a guitar. You got to put music to it." Yeah. So I went back and did that, and then Richie Havens came to town. And that was probably the really the beginning. The <laughs> beginning of my life started there. My music life when I saw him, and I met him. And I said, I want to play you something. And he said, well, I'm staying at this hotel. and it Just come on by after the show. And I did. And I read that you were banging on I his, knocked you on were his door. I got there stupid. about 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock that night. I knocked. I would just go really light. And I could hear stuff going on. And I just like, you know, and I'd sit down and wait an hour. And finally, about 2.30 in the morning, I went. Mm. And he came to the door and he says, if nothing else, you're persistent. <laughs> And we became great friends. And, Did um, you? Yeah. yeah, he took me to New York and wow. uh, taught me taught me how to be me. Yeah, you know, he taught yeah. me how to be a, a a person in this business. Taught me the rights and the wrongs and how to treat people. And you know, he taught me uh, my first song. We took he had called everybody up. Called Clive Davis. He called everybody Clive up. Davis. We wow. called everybody up to bring a song. And they all threw me out. They all did. Every one of them threw me out. And said, "This is terrible." Even Clive Davis even said, "This you, this is a great. This is what you need to hear." And he played a demo of, of um, uh, uh, one of the one of the songwriters. And so I came back. I was in tears, kind of. And he said, well, "I'll show you how this business works." And he said, "We'll go down to the studio now." So we went down to the studio that night in Soho, and he did a guitar vocal of the song. Just just sang the song. Nothing else. Wow. Gave it to me. He said, "Now go back and call him tomorrow morning. You call all those guys back and tell them that I sang it. There you you go. got a better version of it." Now you got star bar. bar and first you. place I went, they get, took it, gave me a five hundred dollar advance. Yes. And when I got back, <laughs> he said, "What did we learn?" I said, "It's who you know." <laughs> <laughs> and presentation, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that all worked out. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. And there's the guy that just made up the song "Freedom" on the spot at. Uh, um, Woodstock and you know his career just went crazy and so this was after Woodstock then yeah this was after Woodstock but yeah. I mean he's he's the guy that it had rained for three days yeah. and three yeah. nights at Woodstock and he came out he was the first he said and he told them he told the promoter to let him go uh-huh. and it was like bad out there and he went yeah. out there played and he anyway. played Here Comes the Sun yeah. and it quit raining how about and that and so they figured he had magic you know yeah absolutely and he was great he was great he took me he yeah, well, I, I worked with him for five years, and that led to working with 
Pete Townsend and the Who and oh, yeah. the rest of the stuff. I want to hear all those stories, but we got to get another song in. Is that okay? Yeah. You play another song? Maybe from the new album? Yeah. Uh, Halfway to Hell? Yeah. Yeah. You want me to play one? Sure. Tell us the story behind it and which one you're going to play. I'm going to play One More Day. Because one More Day. You just did a video on this one, didn't you? Well, we're in the middle of shooting it. Um, yeah. I went out to L.A. and um, we shot it uh, last week. And there's a couple more shots left to do in the studio with Adam. Mm-hmm. Adam, we got to get Adam playing guitar, uh, drums. Moose Brown played keyboards on it. They're going to get some shots of him. And Gary Rosington. Oh, of Leonard Skinner. He played on it, and mm-hmm. we're, he's going to be... Uh, He's going to be in the video, and wow. we shot it. We shot a lot of it on Kevin's Kevin property, his yeah. property, and he yeah. co-wrote this thing with me. And, yeah, cool. And, Kevin uh, co-wrote this, huh? and this is just uh, yeah. when he sings it. He sings it, the chorus. He sings it as asking God for one more day for his friend mm-hmm. until he gets to the last chorus. And when I sing it, I sing it as asking God for. One more day for me. Mm. So it's basically I always, I always talk to God like a buddy. You know, one mm. day, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What, what did you do that for? <laughs> you know, I mean, and it's like, so this was like, okay, well, if I died and I I got up there and and I was with him, I said, what about one more day? More day. If you get, if you can cut me a little slack, just mm. give me one more day so I can run back down there and take care of a few more little things that I forgot to do. <laughs> along the way but when I fell I fell with honor 
I guess you could say I'm here till I ain't no more. Hoping the path I'm on leads me to heaven's door. I tell you what, when I get to the end and I meet the man, I'll be asking him as a favor for a long lost friend. Just look the other way and let me stay one more day. One more day. One more day. One more day. Acclaimed songwriter, composer, artist Jack Williams, our guest on the Songwriter Connection podcast. I've heard you described as a lyrical illustrator, and I like that. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Thank you. And that is a song that you co-wrote with Kevin Costner, who a lot of people may not know. Kevin is an, a, a musical artist, right? He, he's got the Modern West, his, oh, yeah. his band. He writes, and, he's a good songwriter. Good songwriter. He's got great ideas. Yeah, he's, you guys been friends for, for a while? About eight or nine years now. Eight or nine years? How'd you come to know Kevin? I just set out to, I wanted to meet him and work with him and, um, that's what I've done my whole career. Uh-huh. Is I, I want to work with that guy, and yeah. you know I put put I want to work so and so, and and then I set out and made that my journey, like a mission. Mm-hmm. And kind of like most the- of the time I've made it. There's been a few crashes mm-hmm. that didn't happen. Um, but with Kevin, I just it was hard. I mean, he is. There was red flags everywhere, and I, I I finally found that he had that band you were just talking about, Modern West. Modern and I, West. I always got a band. Then I found mm-hmm. out he had two of two of his players lived here, and so um, I found one of them and I wrote him and I asked him if we could get together, and we did. And, and he said, "Well, what do you really want?" And I said, "I want to work with Kevin." And he said, "Well, you got to work with us first. Mm-hmm. And he don't he doesn't record anything unless it's organically done within the family." Mm. So I started writing with Teddy, and we became really good friends. And uh, we wrote a song called "Heaven Is So Far Away." Our first song I think we ever wrote. We, he sent it to Kevin. Kevin loved it, recorded it, and within we, you know, this fast forward to about a year, year and a half later, um, Kevin was playing at a big place in Knoxville. Yeah. Not Coyote Joe's, but something like that. And uh-huh. and um, Teddy was going to drive there instead of being on the bus. And I took me with him hmm, so great. I could meet Kevin. And I met Kevin. He uh, told me how much he liked my stuff. And we just sat down and just clicked. Wow. Just became friends and been friends ever since. I just um, went out there last week, took my wife out there and took her out to his place and he met my wife and his well, wife and everything. It was really great. Pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And you've uh, written together uh, some of your songs on in the Yellowstone uh, TV? One, one. One made Yellowstone, uh, uh-huh. Heaven's Gate. Uh-huh. But I wrote that with Teddy and his daughter, okay. uh, Lily Costner. Lily Costner, that's right. She's but I did singer. have four songs that I co-wrote with him and the guys on Tales from Yellowstone, that record. That's that record. just came out not too yeah. long ago, which is... Um, kind of stories about stories of Yellowstone just yeah. so like it says yeah. tales of Yellowstone like one on there is called won't stop loving you and that's about how he felt about his wife's death because mm. not very many people know in Yellowstone that he actually in the very first season there was a wife but she got kicked off a horse and got kicked in the head mm. very quickly in and out mm. but the song was he wanted to write a song about how 
John Dutton felt about that mm-hmm. and about missing her. And it's it, he did a video on it, Won't Stop Loving You, and the comments is what makes songwriting being special. The comments, a lot of his stuff is like adoring fans, yeah. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Kevin, you're great. Kevin is giving it. Yeah. But this one here, the comments are, uh, I lost my wife a couple of months ago. This song got me through it. I, I, I lost my husband. This song got me through it. Thank you for this song. Uh, all that kind of stuff are the comments when you go to and watch that video. And that's what makes it really great. I was going to say, as a songwriter, that's the payday right there. It yeah. is. And it that is. your song touched somebody. and It is. Helped them through hard times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's incredible. That's what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That's a gift. I mean, that's that's part of it. Yeah. A lot of it. When you can touch somebody. Yeah. So you talked about, you'd see people that you want to work with and you would make it your uh, your goal. I'm, I'm going to work with that person. So when we left the conversation before uh, the, the last song you played. You talked about from Richie Havens, you, uh, you decided that you wanted to work with Pete Townsend of The Who. So, and you did. So tell it started it. out with Roger Daltrey. Actually. Roger Daltrey did it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I was on my way to work. <clears throat> I was, I was a chef. That's what I. I yeah, was, I was going to ask you about yeah, that. Yeah, I was chef. always a chef. Yeah. To to, to make a living. Mm-hmm. It was in Atlanta. I was a chef at the Abbey. Still mm-hmm. there. In the Atlanta. Abbey's still there. It's a, it's a church, mm-hmm. a, a high class restaurant, and I was on my way. I had my whites on. I had everything on. I did have a. I did have a little cassette with three songs that I had roughly demoed. And I saw these guys outside the hotel. I think it was at that time, it was, I, think, I think it was called Stover's. I'm not sure. But anyway, there was a bunch of guys in blue jackets. And I, I looked real closely. It was like at a stoplight and it said the who on the back. So I pulled in mm-hmm. and I walked up to the first guy and I said, What's the chances of meeting Roger Daltrey? <laughs> and he said, slim and none. Slim and none. <laughs> and I said, okay. And I turned around. And he went, wait. Wait a minute. What do you want to meet him for? I said, I'm a songwriter. He, oh, wait a minute now. He loves songwriters. Wow. And that guy, Doug Clark, is what we're still best friends to this day. Are you? And he made a phone call. Up, and Roger said he was busy. He said, get him a room, mm. have him hang out. We'll catch up later. So I was in my whites and I said, well, this is really awesome. I said, but I can't go to the Who show in my chef's coat. <laughs> so we got, they got a limousine and Doug took me to my house and my wife standing outside going, what the heck are you not doing at work? And I said, well, I'm hanging out with the Who. With the Who. And I said, you can come to it. She didn't want no part of it. Oh, boy. And that introduction, (laughs) I'll catch up with him later, lasted three months. And I went on the road with him. Every night, it was too busy. Every night, it was too busy. Every night, it was too busy. Every night, And it ended up in Boston. And they signed me to my first contract. That's when him and Pete called me up to the room and... And I mean, I'd gotten to know the guys, you know, but I'd never been able to play my songs or nothing. It was just like, and then we, Hang they up. signed me and uh, needless to say, I lost my job at the Abbey. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. 
And uh, oh, no. I had to patch up a, a marriage that was about over. But uh, Oh, boy. Mm. But it was great. Yeah. Uh, I learned a lot from Pete. That's what I did. That's... That's what that was. It was a school. Now, did they record some of your music? No, no. no. What they did, but what it was, uh, I didn't go over there. They mm-hmm. were there. So the mm-hmm. deal was is that two or three times a month, I would send mm-hmm. Pete songs uh-huh. were written, and wow. then he would call, and wow. he would critique them. Wow. And that's where I learned. And then that's what led into the Uriah Heap thing, because I started getting really confident, and I made some really had written some pretty cool songs by then. Oh, yeah. And, and they did a few of your songs. Uriah Heap yeah. did, yeah, they yeah. did. I was the only outside songwriter outside the band that Uriah Heap ever used. Well, I saw them in 75. It's a great show in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. so that's fantastic. That, well, David must have still been. No, David, so, David was still with him. Yeah, he right, was, yeah, he was, left in 76. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. when I started working with him, it was in 76. And then passed away, unfortunately, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a great band. Uh, Ken Hensley. Mm-hmm. Ken Hensley, he was, he was my... He was like my Richie Havens. I mean, he took, he saw my talent, and he wanted to, uh, he wanted to help me grow, hmm. and so that's how we did it. And wow. and I and my time in England, I was, it was great. I was young. I got to meet all the, all the rock stars, and hmm. I got to hang out with them. And it was for me back then. That was like studying abroad, <laughs> but studying the craft of songwriting. <laughs> And I mean, rock and roll. I mean, one night... We it's were a dream. At, one night we were at Ken Hensley's studio in his backyard, and he, and George Harrison walks in. You're kidding Alvin me. Alvin Lee's there. Alvin. Simon Kirk and Mick Ross from Bad Company. That's Jeez. who played on the demo. Mm. That was the guys that played. And they were just played on my demo. Unbelievable. Mick Ralphs. He was in Malta Hoople too, wasn't he? Uh, Bad Company. Bad Company. Mick Ralphs and Simon Kirk were the rhythm section of Bad Company. Unbelievable. Man, I'm telling you, that is an education. And they played on your demo. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. It's wonderful. Well, let's get back to this new album, Halfway to Hell. How long has it been out now? Just recently it came out, right? Yeah, not a couple yeah. of months. Yeah. Um, we've got another song here uh, that I want you to talk about a little bit about, The Man uh, That You Know. Um, and there's a story behind that one, right? Mm, big story. You want to tell well, it before not... or after? Um, after. Let's okay. Do. Let's play. Let's listen to it. This is from Halfway to Hell. Uh, Jack Williams is our guest on the Songwriter Connection podcast. It's a great album, man. So 
and the bad stories start to replace all the good ones. Remember the man that you knew. Just remember the man that you knew. Jack Williams is our guest. This is the Songwriter Connection Podcast. This is from his uh, album, Halfway to Hell, recently released. And it's a great song, great story behind it. And I want to talk to you about that, Jack. And I, and I also want to talk about uh, the production. Uh, because it's the production of this, this record is just absolutely fantastic. But first, I got to take a little break. We'll be right back with Jack Williams, our guest, on the Songwriter Connection Podcast. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. You're listening to the Songwriter Connection, connecting with music makers and hearing their songs and stories. Now back to the show with your host, Dave Linehan. Hey, thanks for hanging with us. This is the Songwriter Connection. Jack Williams is our guest. What an amazing guy. Uh, We just listened to the song, uh, The Man That You Know, uh, from the new album, Halfway to Hell. And there's a story behind that song. We're all about the stories behind the songs, Jack, on this show. It is the Songwriter Connection. So tell us about that. Did you co-write it with anyone or was this all you? Oh, no, I co-wrote it with Troy Johnson mm-hmm. and Adam Box, but uh, the idea was Adam Box, by the way, you're a producer, right? which we're going to talk about. Go ahead. The idea was mine. I, what I wanted to do is my studio is right across the hall from my son's bedroom, and um, and I'm trying at the same time I'm, when I write stuff, it all comes from my story, but sometimes I have to use a little uh, license. Mm-hmm. And this was, um, and think about cinematic stuff. And this particular song, I had this idea where I wanted to write a song about a guy that had a shady past. Mm-hmm. As I do. Not as shady as some people, but <laughs> still. And, and came out of it. But then I also wanted to put um, somebody like Dillinger, somebody like Capone, somebody mm-hmm. like... Jesse James, Frank James. Frank James was very had kids. Um, and what they would say to their kid when they know they might die and they go, you know, when it happens and I do die, you're going to hear some bad stuff. You might. Yeah. You probably will. Mm. People will probably talk. Just remember the man you knew. Uh-huh. Just remember that when you hear that stuff, when you hear that stuff, it takes you down. Just remember the man that you knew because the man that you knew, you loved him and he loved you mm. and you had a great life. Don't great worry message. about what people say. Just remember yeah. that man. That's what that song That's was very about. Cool. Very and cool. Adam, yeah, and Adam really brought it to life. And Troy Johnson played the guitars on, you know, he's one of the best in town. He's one of the best singers. I mean, 
he is probably the best singer in this town, um, mm. in my I, opinion. I got to tell you, I, I'm just so impressed with the production of this album. It's the sound. Uh, and, and Adam, your producer, Adam Box, he, he's a, a drummer, right? So that's really affected how this thing was, was put together, isn't it? I think so. I yeah. think I think he, he, he could make it hard on me on any given day because mm-hmm. he'll start off and just put an acoustic guitar down first. Uh, a scratch gu- acoustic guitar and then he'll go out and he'll play his drums and he'll play live the whole thing mm-hmm. just as if there was a whole band there and then bring me back in and have me cut a vocal to that yeah and mm. um that got hard at times okay and is his patience <laughs> i'm sure his patience were very thin but but we got he got it you know if, yeah, if I yeah. couldn't hear the count if I couldn't hear the tempo he would just count me in he'd just go wow point at you yeah yeah that's cool it was great yeah it's great um, and uh, I, I encourage you to find it halfway to hell is is the record um, Jack uh, Williams is our guest you uh, were chef oh yeah and you had a chain of restaurants did I did I read no 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 I was a I was a chef from day one I mean uh, I'm from the time I started writing songs, I was mm-hmm. a chef. I wasn't a chef, chef, mm-hmm. but I mean, I ended up being a chef, chef. Yeah, but um, at I just some started, nice restaurants. I started cooking, yeah. and I wanted to be. I wanted to be that guy. Uh-huh. I wanted to be just like I want to be a great songwriter. I wanted to be a great chef, mm-hmm. and so I studied under the masters. I, in fact, in back in the eighties, early 80s, I mean. Very early eighties, I I worked for a guy in this town called Ziggy Eisenberger, and he had a he had a restaurant called Ziggy's. Oh yeah, and it was over over on West End, right around where Capitol Studios, uh, Capitol Records is right now. Okay, and he was he had just won the German Food Olympics with a um, with a dish that he had created called a turkey roulade, which was a piece of turkey flattened out, pounded out, and then he he put pate in it and he put ground turkey in it and he put all these goodies and rolled it up baked it and sliced it up and it won this mm. awards all over the world wow. and I studied under him and um, he gave me my wings and then from there I became a, I was a chef and the first time first restaurant in this part of the country I was a chef at I opened up a, the racetrack the Franklin on the on the state line okay you know where the racetrack uh, is up uh, there on the state line at Franklin Franklin, yeah. mm-hmm. right, right. I know right where you're talking. That's where Johnny and June were married in Franklin, uh, Kentucky. Right. Yeah. Well, right there is a, mm-hmm. was. It still is, but now it's all televised racing. Okay. But back then, there was live horses, and it was yeah. the, the deal. And I opened that up, and wow. it, was, it was cool. And then I very cool. Then I worked all over the country, and um, I finally came to a crossroads where it was either. Well, if I go that way, I could maybe work in the governor's mansion or Ooh, cool. maybe even the White House. Yeah. And if I go that way, I could be a songwriter and have a big song. And I just, I wanted, I, the songwriting went out. But I still, you know, yeah. it's cook, cooking, cooking has gotten me a lot of, still does. I mean, so, I'll, I'll cook for people all the time still. You uh, you had really two passions. And, and, and um, so you had a way, you had... Um, Something to fall back on, and everybody would say you gotta have something to fall back on if you're gonna be in the music business, right? Well, you had you were you were a chef, and, and you could do that, but uh, yeah, yeah. People the songwriting went out. That's good. <laughs> That's yeah, great. It yeah. did, but I still love to cook. I mean, do you? I was going to ask you. Do you oh cook? yeah, I still cook for people. I'll still take people. You know, I, I saw or 
you know, I meet somebody new, mm-hmm. I have them over to the house for dinner and throw it down and have a, have fun. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's still creating. You know, it's still creating. It and there you go. It's 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 still creating. It's a creative business. Yeah, just like writing a song, only you're creating a meal. You yeah. still get. You still get. It's still the instant gratification that a songwriter gets. Yeah. It's you cook a meal, you serve it to somebody, and they go, "Wow, oh. this tastes good." Or you write a song, you play it to somebody, and they go, "Man, I like that." How about or they that? go, "I hate it." One of the two, but you know, I mean, you get the instant gratification, and I think that's what artists do what they do for. They like that instant man. That was you. If you're building a house. That's creating too, but you got to wait six months until that yeah, house is done, and then together. and then somebody comes up to you and goes, "That's a beautiful house." Yeah, yeah. You know, I've never heard that comparison songwriting to cooking, but you know, if, if you, it really makes sense if you think about it, you can you put all that time and effort to pre and preparing the meal, and then boom, you serve it, and it's the same on songwriting. You've got you you've got you can put as much time as you want in that song until it's ready. And then you bring it out and you serve it. You know, well, it's just it's just a it, great analogy. And in, and to add to that, one of the greatest chefs I ever worked with, one of the things he taught me and it stuck with me, and it, and it was the same thing with songwriting. When a gullah got down to it, I said, uh, "How will I know <laughs> they'll like it?" And he said, "You taste it as you go, Jack." And he said, "And in the end, you taste it." And if you like it, if it really tastes good to you, pretty good chance that 95% of those people out there are going to like what you... He said, but if you taste it, you go, oh, it's a little salty or it's yeah. a little bitter. And you still serve it, they're going to go, it's a little salty. So you make it taste... And songwriting, I think every songwriter, if he was to tell the truth, when you write a song, if you cut some corners and you finish it and you go, yeah, that's really good, but... It could be better, but what the hell? I'm gonna leave it the way it is. Mm. Somebody else might not fall off their seat until you go. This is the best it could ever be in my mind. This is a great song. You know, most people will be touched by it. That's cool. I just flashed back to songwriting sessions that I've had, and you're creating that. You saw "Taste as You Go." You said, and that really struck me because you know we'll get we'll get maybe we're working on a chorus, let's say, and we get that the way we run it. Was it's like okay, hold on, let's. This is kind of a taste as you go. Let's just get that much of it on tape, you know, and record it on our phone. So we don't forget, you know, and then we'll play it back. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe not, you know, maybe needs a little salt or that. You know, same thing. You get uh, part of the chorus, you know, and you've got a lift there. Let's let's get that down and let's let's just really examine that. Taste as you go. That is really a cool idea. I like that. It's really, yeah. it, it, I think it's it's a good lesson in life, period. Yeah. Taste as you go. Even if you're making a new friend. Check it out as you go along. Make sure you're doing everything to be a good friend. I think taste as you go is a good motto. I was going to say, I'm going to write that down in my hookbook. Taste as you go. <laughs> That's right. Because, one, you know, and what he would do, that was Ziggy, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Ziggy was the one to talk. And what he would do is when you'd come to work, when the, when you'd all punch in and you'd come to work, no, I'm sorry. I know where that came from. That came from Opryland. When it I did? first got here, I went to work for Opryland Hotel. Okay. And um, Opryland has a, when you when you um, you put everything in your locker and you change clothes, I don't mm-hmm. know how it is now, but back uh-huh. in those like days, probably the same. Uh-huh. You change your clothes, you put your whites on, and you go down this tunnel, almost like a, coming out of a football field. You mm-hmm. go down this tunnel, and then there's 
this great big banner. Yeah. And I think it's painted into the wall. And it says, if you, if you don't have the time to do it right, where the hell are you going to find to do it? Time to find to do it over. Oh, that's strong. And then you'd walk in, and the chef there would be a big um, box of plastic spoons, and everybody would grab ten plastic spoons and put them in their pocket because you couldn't taste with your finger. Of you course not. So if you uh, you tasted, you go. You use taste a little spoon. You, you taste because I was a saucier. That's what I was. I saucier made, made soups and sauces. Mm. So I'd have to taste as I went. So I taste the spoon. Throw the plastic spoon. Out. You uh-huh. know, always that way. So gotcha. those are the two. Yeah, it was Land that, that put that in my head. That is really cool. It's an interesting story. Now, last we left your journey, your musical journey. You were in England working with Rye Heap. Um, but then you got back to the States and um, got associated with these guys out of Florida, right? Well, I actually or no. I actually met Ronnie Van Zandt, Alan Collins, and those guys. I actually met them in England. You did? Uh-huh, in 75. I met them there. They toured they, with The Who, didn't they? Yeah. That's right. And they came back yeah. on this tour, and they were just... Yeah, they toured with The Who, and then... Superstars. And, and I met yeah. them briefly. And then when I met them from that briefly, not... <laughs> Really, you know, not best friends or nothing. Right. But when they came into England to play Nebworth, the festival, they that was the most famous festival because they opened up, it was, um, they opened up for the Rolling Stones. Wow. And uh, Todd Rudgren opened up for them. Huge Todd Rudgren fan. That's right. Todd Rudgren, mm-hmm. Leonard Skinner, and it was all the festival. And they burned that stage up. I mean, the Rolling yeah. Stones, the Rolling Stones stumbled when coming out on it because they had just finished Freebird and yeah. and and in England I've still got pictures in England or you can find pictures online of that crowd it was 200,000 people there and they all had Confederate flags this is yeah. British kids British kids you know and Ronnie and wow. Alan did just tore it up and we got to be really good friends I stayed there they came home then they came back again in 77 and they played a week four mm. or five dates at the Rainbow Theater and um, and uh, they, um, I got some. I've actually um, picked. Uh, I got a bunch of pictures of my daughter with them, and, wow. and um, I was going to show you. That, I'll show you later. Yeah. Pictures of them with my daughter at the Rainbow Theater, and that's when we really, really got to be really close friends. And that's when Ronnie suggested that, why don't you come back? And when you come back, why don't you come to Jacksonville? And I yeah. said, okay. Jacksonville. And then I, yeah. I came back and started hanging out with. All the guys from 38 and them and Ronnie and I would go fishing and Alan would take me jet boating and Gary and I, we we went, went, that's how far back Gary and I go and that's why I think he he played all my record because that's what friendship. That's what friends do. Yeah. That's something. 77. So that was the year uh, in the fall that the the plane crashed. Mm -hmm. It was right before the plane crashed. Yeah, I was still in England when the plane crashed and... uh, and then I came home, and I kind of hung out with Gary and and Alan while they com- convalesced. Yeah, for a while, and uh, yeah, it was a pretty sad time. I bet it was. Yeah, um, Gary was in that uh, plane, and uh, but survived it, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so did Alan. So did Alan. Yeah. Alan's demons killed him. Oh boy. Mm. What a story! So from there, you got involved with some some great acts, and uh, yeah, from you just there, kept I, on writing. I was in Jacksonville, and of course, I worked with them guys, and then and then I hooked up with Dickie, Dickie and, Greg. and Greg and Greg Allman. Oh. Yeah, and that's when 
Nashville came about, I was looking for a place. I needed to, the Uriah Heap days were over. That contract was done. Mm-hmm. Um, I had worked with them five years, spent five years in London and in, in England. And it was so, I mean, I could have gone back. Mm-hmm. I could have, but I was like, well, I'm a songwriter now. I've got, I've got songs on gold records. I've done yeah. this. I've done this. Mm. Uh, what do I do? And Dickie Betts said, you do what all songwriters do. You move to Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so I moved here and he, he helped me out. He had his manager, yeah. Joe Sullivan. You remember Joe Sullivan? I Psalm don't. 70? No. He managed Charlie Daniels. No kidding. Okay. He had him call around to some of the publishers and got me some meetings. Isn't that cool? Well, One of the publishers I got a meeting with was Noel Fox at Silverline Gold Line. Mm. Oak Ridge Boys owned that Oak company. Ridge Boys, And yeah. he was an Oak Ridge Boy in the beginning, Noel. And he was a hard-nosed publisher. Yeah. And he said, what you got? And I played my Uriah Heap stuff. Uh-huh. And he said, that ain't, what the <laughs> that ain't country. hell that? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you ain't no songwriter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the Oak Ridge Boys. Maybe Dwayne, not, but those are gold records. But Dwayne took a, Dwayne heard it. Yeah. Alan. Mm-hmm. And he heard it and he said, just Put him with the lyricists. Let him play the music and put him with the lyricists. And I and at that time it was Steve Earle. Steve Earle, love him. Larry Willoughby, Dave Gibson, Jimbo Henson. Gibson gonna be on this show, by the way. Yeah, Gibson, Dave yeah. and I are really close. Uh, are you? Yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah, we just he lives right down the road, I guess. Not too we far. Just, yeah, yeah, we just wrote us we just got back to writing again. Yeah. Yeah, we got he yeah, I, great fact, songwriter. In yeah. fact, we were in that company together, and then when he had his publishing company, Savannah Music, he yeah. signed me. Did he? Okay, yeah. I remember Savannah Music? Yeah. Well, very cool. Let's we'll talk about that when he's on the show. When's he on? Um, I have to check, um, mm. but he, he's coming up. And uh, here, I got my book here with me. <clears throat> he's. Uh, <clears throat> let's see here. Gibson's coming up uh, June first is when it publishes, but we're going to record it here April. Uh, he's April fourth. You be yeah. better get, better get your tissues out. He's gonna have you laughing the whole time. Oh, he's I know. I be bet crying. I'll, I'll bet. Smart. Yeah, he does nothing but laugh. And he, don't forget to ask him about his children's books. Uh, I, I won't. It's Mr. Froggy. Froggy now. Or what, well, what, it's what, another it, one too. Yeah. Yeah. You got three uh, three characters out there. <laughs> so uh, that is a heck of a journey that you've been on. So now you're here in Nashville. You're writing for the Oak Ridge Boys, and uh, you had some success. You're uh, writing. Yeah, they cut up a couple of my songs, and then um, yeah, one thing led to another, and then Warren Haynes. Warren Haynes and oh, I wrote a song, mm. and uh, another friend who's not with us anymore, but um, we wrote a song in the middle of the night called "Just Before the Bullets Fly." I was going to ask you about that song. That's a cool song. And he gave it to Greg. Greg cut it. Excuse me. That's Greg okay. cut it. Yeah. And. Um, called his album just before the bullets fly and then he put on his greatest hits wow and then Sun Seals the great blues guitarist from Alligator Records he cut it and then he put it on his greatest hits album then it was in a movie with Lou Diamond Phillips and Keith Sutherland called Renegades I remember that yeah. it opened up that movie and then not too long ago a guy named Coco Montoya just cut it wow it did. It's it's been a great song for me. That's a song that the gift just keeps on giving. It is. It? Yeah, it is. it is. And I love the song. I mean, I, I mean the song is. And on the record, you got the Danny Toller playing guitar. You got Chuck Lavelle playing keep keep. I mean, his mm. piano playing is just awesome. Off the charts. And Greg and Greg and I got to be good friends through that. And mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, those are all part of the journey, I guess. So cool. What a journey. Fantastic. It's still going. So what you doing today? Tell us more about We just cut the video, I know. You're working on the video for the new song. You got the new album out. What else? What's coming up? I'm just writing some new songs now. I'm trying to... I want to write some songs. I'm hoping that I can write some songs that are good enough for Kevin's new movie. He's going to have a movie that he's going to start filming called Horizon. Horizon. It's his dream come true. Um, it's like a Western, five-part Western. And he starts that in August, and I'm hoping that mm. I'll have a couple songs in that that are good enough to make that. And then uh, mm. and then this year, I mean, I'm hoping that um, the new video will, will help blow things up, and, and maybe I can get out there and do some do some big dates with some people I'm, I'm sure it's going to happen yep put out to the universe and I'm in the middle of a book that everybody keeps wanting me to write about about all my escapades in the rock and roll world so I was going to say that'd make a great book yeah I'm, yeah. I'm in the middle I'm about halfway through well and you've got pictures that you can share mm-hmm. uh, that that proves the point yeah <laughs> yeah what would you call it do you have a name for it no no yeah no because <laughs> I start I found a place to start from my darkness in my childhood and I sort of start in a place so it's going to go from you know it's it's going to go from this darkness to out into uh, uh, I wouldn't say successful but you know, successful in my world anyway coming from where I came from you know um, you mentioned the darkness in your childhood and I didn't know if I would bring this up but it, you have this powerful song that I've seen the video of um, you know called beat me again mm. <clears throat> and um not knowing a lot about you that was the first song i heard and um you did have a dark past mm, yeah mm. i was yeah. a serious victim of child abuse yeah my parents and i was adopted and i was the only child so the questions that always went through my mind while they were beating the hell out of me was why why'd you ever adopt a kid <laughs> you know yeah. but you know i mean it, it Hey, I came out of it, and I didn't end up in a bad way, and I and now I got great songs that I can yes, write from it, so and I can help people. I when I not too long ago I did the Frank Brown Songwriter Festival, and this was one of the songs that I closed with. This song, "Beat Me Again," mm-hmm. and I had more people come up to me and say, "God, you 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 gave a voice to what I went through," and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to. Um, when we did the video, you saw the video. So did. we did a duet. Yeah. And who is that lady? That's Brandy seen? Zidane. Oh, she's fantastic. And um, the idea was, I wanted to do a video on this mm-hmm. because I wanted. To, I mean, a duet on this. I wanted to have because I said, "Hey, guys aren't the only people that get abused. Mm-hmm. Girls do too. So if we, if a man sings this verse, a girl sings this verse, and we both sing the chorus, that'll give somebody. I'm still hoping that um, we can find a. Uh, a national child abuse organization to pick up that video and help some kids out. I hope because, so I mean, if I can make it out of that, they can. Yes, absolutely. Well, I want to hear one more song. Should we play that one or do you yeah, want to play one live? Play want to play this one? Because we just talked about it. So this is, this yeah. is called Beat Me Again. Mm-hmm. And this is on the new record that I encourage you to find. And find the video because it's very powerful. Yeah, the video is very powerful. Yeah, this is from the album Halfway to Hell and our guest, Jack Williams, on the Songwriter Connection. a boy you whipped me like a slave i dreamt about pissing all over your grave left that cemetery feeling the same for years i carried round all the blame for years i carried round all the blame 
Great songwriter, uh, great performance, and uh, really a, a great album. Uh, I love the sound of this record, Halfway to Hell. And um, Beat Me Again is this song. It's an incredible video. Check it out. Google it. Uh, you're going to find Jack H. Jack Williams, okay? And um, just happy to have you as a guest today, Jack. Yeah, it's been great. I imagine writing that song was pretty cathartic, huh? Mm. Yeah. Is yeah. It, mm. Yeah, um, W. Earl Brown, he, I think I have to give him credit. He got the story out of me and then he wrote those words mm-hmm. and it was it was great because he was able to just we just dug it out you know and got it out of there and and that was probably halfway through the record that's when I started really saying well you know what let me just go ahead and open and now now that's all I do now is try to find little stories down in there that need to be told that's good yeah fantastic and uh, that gentleman you just mentioned that you co-wrote it with, he's a, he's a big actor as well. People yeah. have seen this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he has. If you've seen Deadwood, he's Dan. Dan on Deadwood. He's something about Mary. He yep. Played uh, the younger brother. Yeah. Beans and wieners. Beans and beans. Right. Beans right. beans. Yeah. He's in a brand new movie with Sandra Bullock called Unforgivable. Oh, yeah. It's just rip your guts out. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's great. He's yeah. a great actor. He's a great songwriter. He's Good that's, guy. That's right. He is in the, I saw that film recently. It's a very good movie. Yeah. Very was, good movie. You know, he's a parole officer, I believe. I think he was the sheriff. In a, and and, oh. and he accidentally was killed in the movie. That's what started it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's a great film. Yeah. Yeah. He's a great actor. And a co-writer. Yeah. Yeah. And he's from Kentucky. He's from Kentucky, huh? Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. He's a Kentucky guy. 
Jack, I can't tell you how great it was to have you here to share your songs and your story, your awesome story that should be a book here around our dining room table. Uh, just a pleasure to meet you and spend some time with you. Thank you so much. Thanks I'm for having me. Following your career and uh, keeping an eye on you because you're doing some magical things. It's great. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for listening to the Songwriter Connection podcast. Find us on social media at Songwriter Connection. Also, listen to Dave Lanahan's Nashville Connections radio show. It streams live every Friday morning on WOBL and WNOI. Look for us on Facebook and YouTube. See you next time on Songwriter Connection.